0: Because the story, the song of Advent, what you need to hear is that if you are a Christian, if you are someone who's believing in the return of Christ, the true King, you're believing He's going to come mess everything up. The world will be nothing like it is now when He comes. The things that are in power, the people with the influence, the people in control, will not be in that place anymore. You're listening to a message at Grace Church of Alma. A place where the curious, bored, and discouraged can journey together toward a full life with Jesus. If you've done some research, you'll say to me, what are you talking about, Advent and Christmas? Uh, You know, the Christmas tree outside is more uh, Egyptian, and uh, it's more Roman than Christian. Uh, These candles are more Jewish than Christian. Uh, All of these different things have all these different roots. What's beautiful about the season is it doesn't have really anything to do with the day that Jesus was born. Sorry. We don't know when he was born. Maybe May or June. So would you like to bring out the Christmas tree in May? Anybody? One person. Amen. That's what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) What this is, is a tool, right? The the Christian faith uh, has a weird habit of sneaking into things and trying to co-opt them, to subvert them, meaning to put a a new meaning in something. That's why we have a symbol of this thing right here that is a symbol of death and uh, torture and murder and the power of empire. And we've turned it to be the doom of empire, the symbol of life, resurrection from death. So the Advent season is all about darkness. Darkness. So we start in the story of Genesis. In the beginning, there was nothing. There was void. There was chaos. We start with the story of Exodus when Israel was experiencing slavery. We go to the story of Babylon when Israel is again experiencing slavery once again. We go to the first chapter in all the Gospels where Israel is again experiencing what? (laughs) Being oppressed by the Greeks and the Romans. And we start in darkness. An Advent is a word for breaking through, entering in. And the idea is it's a season where we acknowledge darkness. The reason we do this here in this month and not in May is because in this part of the world in December, what do we have a lot of? Anybody know? I said the word seven times. Anybody? Lots of sunlight? At three o'clock, it feels like it's seven o'clock. Have you noticed that, right? We have a lot of darkness. Amen. So we start by acknowledging that the world is dark. We acknowledge that we still live in a place that cries out for hope and for light. So what we do is each of these blue candles represent a week of Advent, a Sunday of Advent. There are four Sundays. So each Sunday we get to light a candle. Now we are on the second Sunday of Advent. Now the way it works is that we kind of work our way through the first Sunday, the second Sunday, the third, and the fourth, and we don't get to light the white one until Christmas Eve, until 12.01 a.m. on Christmas morning. And what's beautiful about this is when we get to the Lent season, the season that builds into Easter, we'll actually take the candles and have them lit, and then we will extinguish them. And what happens is when you get to Good Friday, right before the death of Christ, before we celebrate and we we kind of take ourselves into the the sadness of the death of Jesus, the last candle will be extinguished. And you're you're actually supposed to have a service where we all sit in the room and every light goes out. How cool would that be? I think it'd be cool. We'd like five people who would like it, but I would like it. And so this is the season for us. We are here on the second Sunday of the Advent season. And the problem with Advent is this. Advent doesn't make any sense to us if we don't see that we're living in a world of darkness. You know, we've talked about this before. Uh, I bring it up every year. Light is something that we all take for granted. You know, we all assume that, hey, you know, of course, you, you walk into church and Pastor Devin gets up there. We're going to go from the worship lights and to bring the lights up and Pastor Devin's going to speak. We, we take the light for granted. But the part about Advent, you can't understand Advent until you realize... That the people to whom it is important are only used to darkness. That light is a rare thing. It's an unusual thing. Now, for us to understand the story of Advent, there's a phrase that you've got to learn today. Are you ready? Okay. Who likes the great movie, White Man Can't Jump? (laughs) Amen. Here's the phrase. Look, man. You can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear him. I can tell I don't really have a lot of fans of white men can't jump. All right. The words of Sidney Dean, Wesley Snipes, to Billy Hoyle, Woody Harrelson's character. They're driving down the road. The white guy's got Jimi Hendrix playing. And the black guy says, hey, you can listen to Jimmy, but you don't hear what he's saying. And of course, it becomes a fight that they get into the entire movie, right? It's a theme throughout the movie. Now, here's a test for us. Whenever we read this last uh, passage of Scripture, when Barb read it, did you hear it? Who was moved emotionally when you heard it? Did you experience angst when you read it? Anxiety when you read it? Did you experience excitement when you read it? Did you feel anything when you read it? Or did you miss it? Did you listen to it, but not hear it, right? Now, we talked about this last week. We talked about when there is a sound, when there's something happening, in the Scriptures, the, the common kind of a, the analogy for sensing what God is doing on the earth is a sound or a song. Starting in Genesis, we see the world created with a, a sound, Book of Revelation, those who are able to follow the the Lamb of God into the kingdom of heaven are those who hear the song of heaven. It's a common theme for the Scriptures. Do you sense it? Are you awake to it? And so last week we talked about how the first sign that you are catching what God is doing is you will feel it. You won't quite understand it yet, but you will feel it. You will sense there's something in this, right? Right? Uh, we did the sound test. Who enjoyed that? Who found out that you're deaf? Anybody? Okay. We started with the low tones and the, the, the building rumble, we went to the high pitch where everyone wanted, wanted to just scream and like run out of the building. It was terrific, right? It was awesome. You will respond to the experience, the feeling of it before you will hear it. And so if we're talking about feeling it last Sunday, this Sunday we're talking about hearing it. So it's not enough to just be moved by it, to know something is out there. Now we have to ask ourselves, do we hear it? Do we get it? Do we understand it? Now, um, I have some words of a different song. Uh, Well, actually, I want to stay here for a second. The Magnificat. Okay. We didn't get it, but yet, I would assume. But this passage of Scripture is called Mary's Song. The Magnificat. Did you know that this passage of Scripture is one of the most banned passages of Scripture in the entire earth. Did you know that? There are countries where it is illegal to read this part of the Bible. Where they will literally take it out of the Scriptures. And if they find out there's a pastor who is preaching it, speaking it, if it's being taught, they will go to jail. Did you know that? Would you like to know why that happens? Because they hear it. And we don't. We just read something that most of us go, oh, in the Bible, Amen which is illegal in other countries. Banned, outlawed. You can go to jail, you can lose your family, lose your home for this thing, because they hear it, they know what it is. Whereas most of us just think it's something that kind of goes with the Christmas tree. Amen? I don't know if you caught these words, but I just want to kind of show you a few highlights of this. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful. The word used in the Greek is brought down the rulers, the dynasties. He's brought down the dynasties, the, the nations, if you would. Brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. In Guatemala... There was a civil war going on because of drug trade and things like this, and there was a, an experience where there were all these children who were murdered, and so these these, um, mothers went into the city center, and they made these posters and these signs, and it said that he sends the rich away empty, and they would chant this: pulls down the powerful, restores the poor. And for this, they were imprisoned. In India, during the colonial reign of England, this passage was outlawed. Very odd. For a country that has its own national church, the Church of England, the Anglican Church, they outlawed a part of their scriptures in that country only. Because they knew if the Indian people realized what this meant, what would happen in a country of caste system where their God tells them that some people are born to be at the bottom of the rung of humanity and have no choice? You will never work your way up. What happened if they catch hold that maybe there is a Creator that says they are promised something more than that? A lot of people are going to lose money. There's going to be fights and revolts and rebellion and revolution. In Guatemala, of course, this was, this was banned. People were arrested. Many people thrown to prison in Argentina this was banned it was illegal to read or to say or to even have this passage in your possession because they heard it now see unfortunately or well, well, fortunately this passage doesn't necessarily have anything to do with skin color it has everything to do with your experience of the world If you've experienced the world to be this type of world, a safe world, it's a good world. It's a world that works out for you. It's a world that you can be comfortable in. You don't hear it yet. There are certain things that can only be heard from a certain space, a certain point of view. Now, in our country, there is a very interesting heritage to this passage and to the Bible in general. One of the things I love about the places that God took me and my journey to find more of him was I got to experience the scriptures from very different points of view. On average, if you go into an African-American church in this country right now, they will be preaching from an Old Testament passage. If you go to most white churches in this country, they'll be preaching from a New Testament passage, specifically the Apostle Paul. These are all averages and assumptions, right? But when you go to an African-American church, they speak often about the passages of Exodus. They talk often about the the story of God's redeeming Israel from Pharaoh, from Babylon. I have a different passage of sacred text for you guys to read here. This is an old spiritual. It's a song that the the slaves would sing in the cotton fields, which only a few short many years ago, or right around us, right in these states, right in these, these counties. These are songs that were sung. I'm going to read it for you. It's called, Go Down Moses. When, it, when Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go. Thus saith the Lord, bold Moses said, let my people go. If not, I'll smite your firstborn." Let my people go. The Lord told Moses what to do. Let my people go. To lead the children of Israel through. Let my people go. And the chorus, the thing that we'd sing between every verse is this. Go down, Moses. Wade, what you're doing in Egypt's land? Tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, what's sad about this is I've actually heard this spiritual multiple times. I was even taught a version of this song in Sunday school whenever I was very, very young. And it ne- I, I've listened to this multiple times, but I've never heard it. In our country, in this part of the world, there is a very specific people group who have heard Mary's song, who have heard the Old Testament, who have heard the cry for freedom, In our country, there is something that we've experienced with slavery where there is a a group of Christians who connect, who get it, who know it. When they talk about Christmas, when they talk about Jesus, they connect in a way that Israel connects, in a way that anyone who's experienced deep, soul-moving pain experiences. It's a cry. It's a cry for change. What's, what's frustrating about Advent is that if you really get Advent, if you really understand the season of Christmas, it's going to take you somewhere that you might not want to go. The one thing about Christmas that I love about Christmas, because Christmas for me, the Advent season for me is about warm feelings. It's about eggnog. I don't care if you don't like it. It's awesome. It's about fires, not, you know, fireplaces. <laughs> it's about layaway and presents, right? Come on. It's not about the Christmas train, brother, no. There are warm feelings of safety and comfort that Christmas brings to me. And because of that, because this is the space that I come to Christmas in, I've missed the Advent song. I've listened to it and haven't heard it the majority of my life. I've never, the majority of my life, I've never understood why someone could be moved by a lighted candle in a dark room. I didn't live in a world full of darkness that needed light. I lived in a pretty comfortable world. I lived in a world of light that seldom was invaded by darkness. When, I'd go, when someone would lose their job or we'd go to a funeral, darkness would invade. But it was the minority in my life. Last night I was trying to prepare and news broke uh, in the Fayetteville uh, uh, Square we were actually driving by the square, and it was Jude who said, Hey, can we go see the lights? And I was driving, and I just thought, No, we're not going to do that tonight. And so, we, I mean, you know, I was like a block away from it. And, of course, we, we, we saw the police cars after we were leaving. We saw the police cars coming in, and, and so I got online, checked Twitter, and we heard about the news that a police officer had been executed over there that night. All the police officers were told to turn off their body cams because the news was about to be broken to them. Someone who they loved had just been killed in cold blood. And it strikes hard. And online, on Facebook and Twitter, people are freaking out. You know, it's hard to respond. And the reason it hits us so deep, right, is because we live in a world that the majority of it is light. And when darkness does come close to us, it spooks us, it, Throws us off. We don't know how to respond to it. And so, the thing for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is at this season of the year, the reason we do this every year, the reason that we don't do this once every three years, once every five years, the reason we do this every year, we take ourselves through the entire story of the Gospels from the birth to the death to Easter Sunday with the resurrection to Pentecost, and then we do it again. Every year, we go back into the story because there's something that is true for us right now, and it's that we will forget. We will ignore it if we allow ourselves to. We will allow Christmas to just be warm and fuzzies and the comfortables, and we won't allow the real message. We won't allow ourselves to hear the actual song. And White Man Can't Jump, the reason that the buddy was getting upset the reason he was getting mad was because here is Woody Harrelson. He's just having a good he's just listening to Jimmy because it sounds good. Oh, Christmas is great. I just love that season with the trees and the gift giving and the eggnog and the fruitcakes. Anyone like fruitcake? But for you to just enjoy the good and to not hear the meaning, that's not okay. A part of our season is bringing hope. The reason we light candles and we don't extinguish them is part of this season is bringing comfort. There is good news coming. There is light coming. There is change coming. But you will only receive that good news if you first receive the bad news. The world isn't what you think it is. See, this is a season we call it the season of hope. But there's something about hope. You can only understand hope if you understand despair. So you might not be able to relate to the cotton fields. You might not be able to relate to the story of Egypt. You might not be able to relate to the story of Babylon. But what we do is this. We allow ourselves to, to connect to the darkest moment of our lives. We allow ourselves to connect to the moments of deep despair when we were hopeless, The reason for most of us, we don't want to face how ugly this world is, especially for people who aren't like us, is because it puts a weight on us. We don't know how to, how do I fix it? How do I do anything? I'm powerless. What do I do to stop school shootings? What do I do about all the the political garbage and the oppression of, it's, it's, it's a lot. What do I do? How do I bring any change in that? The season of Advent tells you this. We start in a very simple place. We allow ourselves to feel the darkest moments of our lives, despair, and we allow God to bring us hope. If we are not allowing these things to bring us hope, it's it's only for one reason, because we're not allowing these things to connect us to our pain. The Christian life is not a life free of pain. You will never connect to the depths of joy and hope and healing in Christ until you allow yourself to connect to the depths of your pain and your disappointment. It's very simple. I'm not asking you to read the stories of Babylon and go, oh, I get it. Oh, man, slavery in Babylon is the worst. I don't expect you to know what it was like to be in the cotton fields. You can't know that. But what you can know is the depths of the worst night, the worst day, the worst moment of your life. And we start there. Because the story, the song of Advent, what you need to hear is that if you are a Christian, if you are someone who's believing in the return of Christ, the true king, you're believing he's going to come mess everything up. The world will be nothing like it is now when he comes. The things that are in power, the people with the influence, the people in control will not be in that place anymore. That is our hope. And it might, eating, we don't have time to go into what this might mean for us as individuals. But if you don't live in a world that desperately needs Christ to change everything, then you haven't heard it yet. You're just listening for fun. This is the message of Advent. The reason that light is coming is because this world is full of darkness. Because this world needs change. And we are the people who are supposed to be walking around with hope that this world is going to change. Would you guys stand with me? So this is normally our time where we take corporate communion. And I know that we're short on time. We, we wanted to really make sure that we made some time for some other things. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the lid off the, uh, the, uh, the juice. And as we close, we're going to make sure the table's open. And I encourage you to linger and to take this on your own with your families and with friends if you have time to do so. Again, you might have taken the bread and the juice a million times in your life. And the majority of those times it was ordinary. But if you continue to press in with God, there will be a day when you feel a million miles away from God, from anyone else. You feel completely and absolutely alone. And in that moment, for some reason that's not logical, it doesn't make sense, being able to touch and smell and taste something that reminds you of God. To drink this grape juice that in some way connects your emotions to make you realize that you are not alone in that moment. It will transform you. You will hear the song of Mary a few hundred times in your life and it won't mean anything to you. But there will be one day when you've lost someone or something in this world and how unfair it is will just crash down all around you. And you will cry out in the depths of you and say, please. So Father, we just come to you this morning. We hide from our pain because it disturbs life. It messes things up. We don't have time to be sad or upset or angry or overwhelmed. We don't have time for that. People need us. We have jobs and things to do, places to be. But Lord, I ask that we would have a place this week, somewhere this week. We can't change everything on our own. We can't change the world right now. We can't fix every injustice that's happening right now. But I ask that you would give these people, these families, these individuals the strength to start. That we would be people who would be moved by the pain around us. The next time we hear of a school shooting or of a death or someone with cancer, that we wouldn't be able to just ignore it, that it would move us, would affect us. I pray that we would be strong enough to be people of hope and people of pain. We wouldn't have to hide one to have the other. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that this morning that you would meet us exactly where we are. We need hope, we need you.